Welcome to Light Trees and News, everyone. Pop culture, politics, and a sprinkle of treason. I'm joined today via Skype by Eric. Uh, hello. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm, I'm coming to you live from my uh, medically sealed bunker. Yes, I don't know if you guys have heard about uh, a little virus called Corona, <laughs> but New York City, it's not that we're on a lockdown right now. Uh, we have been encouraged to socially distance ourselves from each other, hence Eric not being here, but being via Skype. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. It's not that different from my real life so <laughs> yeah no not... huge sacrifice so far <laughs> i i will say i'm on way more group texts than i used to be uh -huh. yeah and people are freaking out a little bit there's some rumblings that maybe will be placed under a quarantine who knows uh who knows how long that will last will any of us be able to pay our rents That's who knows yeah i i mean i'm very lucky because i have a job that i literally me going to the office is superfluous. Like it, there's no reason for me to work in the office. They just have us do it anyway. Um, so, but now we're, they have us doing mandatory work from home for like a month. I will say this all happening has made it very revealing. Like you were just saying, I could totally do my job from home. Why do I have to go to an office? <laughs> I feel right. like a lot of people are discovering that right now where they're like, wait a second. Why did I ever have to <laughs> right. go into an why did I have to do that shitty commute every day? Especially people yeah, exactly. who are like, you know, have, you know, disabilities or something like that. They're sort of like, wait, I could have just been doing my job from my house this whole time. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's, it, it's very, uh, yeah, it is very revealing. There's so much of that and so much like, you know, especially all the businesses that are just like, Oh, uh, you know, we won't uh, we won't cut any of your services if you can't pay your bills. It's like, well, you could have just been doing that the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know what didn't get delayed by all of this? My fucking Internet bill. Like, <laughs> right. I was getting yeah. all of these emails from companies that were like, we're trying to keep everything clean. We're going to have to cut staff and hours and, and audiences. We're so sorry. And then my fucking Internet bill dropped. And I was like, oh, so that didn't slow down. Right. That's cool. Right. <laughs> So, yeah. Eric and audience, we, we've been gone for a while because uh, mm -hmm. I had a birthday, so I took that weekend off because yep. um, I'm a lot, and I need yeah. to celebrate that fact. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, I took that weekend off, and then all hell broke loose with the outbreak, mm -hmm. blah, 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 blah. Now we can't be near each other anymore. <laughs> <laughs> We're in quarantine. So, that's why we've been gone a little bit, but... We did get some questions that I wanted to get to. So a rare email question from Dario about oh, brave, very brave. First of all, <laughs> very big of you to assume I'm checking the email. <laughs> I'm just going to tell everyone right now that is the worst place to reach me. But Dario, you just picked the right week to do it. So they emailed in. This is a election question just to get you in okay. the right headspace. I'm an independent voter who supports Bernie Sanders, and in your opinion, uh, if he becomes president and Republican voters apologized for voting for Trump, <laughs> if they collectively got together and apologized, do they deserve forgiveness and redemption? Because I believe bad people can change. And then a little bit more information. The reason I ask you this is that I see there is division and tension in this country, unlike anything I've ever seen before, and Sanders is proposing policies 
that benefit all Americans, but never called for civility nor unity. I understand the Trump voters voted against their best interests and are suffering because of it, and some progressive pundits aren't sympathetic to them. I'm worried that some progressive pundits will influence Sanders to deny the red states the social programs out of revenge for voting for Trump and his horrific policies. At some point, the vicious cycle of tension must end, and I hope Sanders will keep his word. So this is obviously an older email because, and we're going to get to this in the bad news section. <laughs> it's looking yeah. like Joe Biden's going to be the nominee. But I, what are your feelings, Eric, before I unleash? I think, the, uh, I, I think it's a great question. I think the framing of the question is a little off yes. only because I think what you're asking is exactly Bernie's whole deal as a candidate and the whole movement behind him is that it's not necessary to grant red states or whatever, any sort of like whatever, whatever you would consider forgiveness or whatever. The whole point of the campaign is that all people deserve health care, regardless of who you are, uh, you know, uh, you know, regardless of what your inclinations are as a person or whatever like that. You know, the whole point is we're not going to play that type of game. Everyone deserves health care. Everyone deserves to vote. Everyone deserves, you know, a basic dignity as a, you know, a, a, as an American, as a human being, as you know. A, and so the, the the whole movement, the whole point of the movement is to get past those sort of like political divides and just say, look, we're doing this for everyone. Even if you don't vote for Bernie, if Bernie's president, we're still doing this for you. So it's we don't have to play this whole this whole game of like whether states or people deserve any sort of like weird forgiveness or or unity or even civility. It's like the whole, the whole point of the campaign is if I'm president, everyone gets these things because that's the right thing to do. Yeah, there there's the personal and then there's the political, right? And the political right. is exactly what you were talking about, Eric, which is everyone should have access to to social welfare programs, right? You should have access to healthcare. You should you have the right to food. You have the right to shelter. These are like basic human needs. Everyone, everyone, mm -hmm. everyone should have access, including, say, uh, prisoners, right? Yeah. So, but then there's the personal. And I, I think it would be unfair to say, uh, go to any person of color in this country and say, hey, you have to forgive Republicans. Uh, right. No, you fucking don't. They, they, uh, think, yeah. they think you're subhuman. Um, asking people to forgive that is just beyond uh, the pale you know of course um, yeah but yeah i i totally agree with everything you were saying that is bernie sanders whole deal right that's why he's he's yeah. managed to appeal to a lot of voters that previously pundits said that he would have no shot with right but he goes into right. these communities a lot of them conservative communities and he's saying stuff like well i just want you to have access to health care and like to have a, a dignified life and that appeals to a lot of people so yeah, yeah. I, I i get your concern uh, Dario, but yeah, I think they're, they're separate issues. And also I just want to say America has a very skewed sense of what civility is. Like to <laughs> yeah. me, yeah. it is uncivil to put babies in cages. Okay. Right. Just call me crazy. But if I went on MSNBC and I said, fuck, there would be way more outrage pointed at me than the people who put babies right. in cages. So I think we also just need to reconsider what it means to be civil in this country right. you can swear all you want i don't care that that's not killing anybody but if you say commit war crimes and bomb innocent civilians i think we should be way more angry at those people than say like you know bernie bros online i'm not right. excusing that behavior don't harass people online but 
in terms of what is costing lives and diminishing the quality of our lives, I would say conservative policies way, way, way outscale, say, Bernie bros. <laughs> yeah, it's really like, it's some real like Black Mirror shit to see David Frum on Twitter talking about online harassment. Oh, man. <laughs> Talk about somebody who should be in jail, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and that's what I mean. Like, let's just remember who we're, we're actually supposed to be mad at, right? I think it's, in a weird way, I think the whole corona shit got us refocused on what we should be concerned about. Because it is tempting on Twitter to fall into these, like, insular, incestuous communities where we have our, like, cause du jour and sort of take our eye off of what really is harming the most people, you know, and, like, focusing on big, big issues like climate change um, or voter disenfranchisement. Um, right. Yeah. Ooh, your mic changed a little bit. Oh, uh, yeah. So I, can you still hear me? Yeah, the quality is not as great. Yeah, something's going on with my microphone, and it, it like, cut out. So I'm going to try to fix it, but for now, I'm using the laptop mic until I fix it. Oh, okay. Uh, sorry, guys. I'm just going to leave that in. I'm going to leave in all of our little tech uh, mishaps because... You know what? This is life under coronavirus. This is our Contagion episode. Have you rewatched mm. Contagion? I haven't. You know, I did not rewatch Contagion. I did watch Outbreak. Okay, I almost watched Outbreak because I was like, I have to buy Contagion. For some reason, I thought it was on Netflix or Hulu, and it's not. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's on Hulu, but you need like one of the premium channels. So, yeah. but I might buy it because I remember when I saw the movie, and I must have been pretty young. I came home, and my parents were like, "How was it?" And I was like, "It's what is going to happen." Right. Yeah. Exactly. I was just like, it's so it feels so accurate. And then, yeah. yeah, here we are. OK, so we have another question, Eric. You're going to fucking love this. Uh, uh -oh. So Sophie wrote into my Patreon, <laughs> my castle and wrote, you can judge me all you want, Allison. So Sophie came in hot. She was like, wow. hey, bitch, you can judge me all you want, Allison. But I have a pen question for Eric. Ugh. Eric. Have you yes. tried the glass pens? And if you have, what do you think? I actually have. N I've used one once, only as a test for like thirty seconds. I have never used one uh, extensively. Sorry, let's back up a little second. Uh, yeah. As a test? Like I was in a store, you know, sure. and like was trying one out. Okay. Uh, and uh, so I, but I've never used one like extensively. Mm -hmm. uh but i like there it's we i i don't know it, it's maybe not my thing but i'm not like um they're mostly used for like uh, types of like calligraphy and stuff like that and uh i don't know they're cool it's just not not necessarily my thing so not like practical right yeah, okay. yeah. they're definitely not practical because they're they're the kind of pen you have to like you have to like have the bottle of ink out and like you have to like dip it every few letters. Oh, no thanks. <laughs> it's like very like What am I a pioneer very, woman? Yeah, this is like very like revolutionary like Yeah. signing the declaration of independence type shit. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> My dearest Martha, yeah. Right. But they are very cool. They are very like sure. they're, they're, they're they're usually very beautiful. They're very like well-crafted type things. Um but it takes a lot of commitment to use them. Uh so not necessarily my thing. 
For sure. So that question, as I said, came in to my Patreon. If you're a $5 a month supporter or higher, you can also send me annoying fucking questions for Eric that I'll have to relay <laughs> to him at patreon.com slash Allison Kilkenny. Also, you can ask me a question. I don't know. I'm the host of this fucking show, but whatever. <laughs> I don't ca- give a shit about pens, so I don't count. All right. Can I just say, I, I appreciate her level of uh, just real real sauciness. You can judge me all you want, Allison. Whoa, <laughs> Sophie. Okay. So let's get to recommendations. Okay. So I have started, speaking of Hulu, watching Devs. Have you seen? Devs. No, I don't okay. know what this is. Nick Offerman plays a sort of messiah-like tech figure he's like ahead of this very very uh advanced um global phenomenon that's supposed to be like if facebook and twitter and google all had a baby oh Uh, okay so he's this tech guru leader but the the tech company that he heads is like a cult uh, uh, and I okay. won't say anything else because anything else would be a massive spoiler, but it is so fucking cool. Uh, nice. It's by the guy. Hold on before I actually start just throwing around um, claims that are not true. Alex Garland is the director. Okay. And he is the guy who made uh, the Natalie Portman movie Annihilation. Oh, okay. Okay. So it's very cool. It's very weird. I will say it like the tone is cool, surrealist, but very serious. I don't think there's been a moment like Nick Offerman is in it. So you think maybe he'll crack a joke at some point. And like he's so naturally funny that I think a lot of times his dialogue comes across as funny. uh, Mm -hmm. But maybe it wasn't intended that way. But I don't know. It it has a few moments of levity, but it is overall like a pretty serious, serious surrealist show. But it's so cool. Nice. That sounds cool. It's very cool. I think out. I think you'd like it. You should check it out. Um, yeah, especially sure. since who knows when we're going to be able to go outside again. <laughs> oh my god, I'm going to watch so much TV. We have so much time now. Uh, so also in recommendations, uh. I'm going to come in hot like Sophie and say, I don't give a shit when anyone says <laughs> the invisible man is good. I've heard this from so many people. It's good. Here's what I'll say about it. Okay. It opens strong. It is like the opening in that movie. You're like, fuck yes. This is going to be so good. Does it have a little bit of a problem in the third act? Yes. If you okay. think about the way they resolved it too long, does it completely unravel? Yes. But <laughs> up until that moment, it's really fucking good. Uh, it's a real tricky subject matter to tackle and they do it well. Although I will say obvious trigger warning for like domestic violence and that stuff, but they don't show a lot of it. Um, yeah, I'll just, I'll just say that anything more is a spoiler, but, uh, yeah, it's really, really good. Uh, some, some twists, surprises, the special effects are so really, really well done. Like oftentimes, uh, he will just frame a shot where like Elizabeth Moss is sitting at, on one side of the room and you just know the invisible man is standing on the other side of the room. Right. Just the way, just by the way he frames shots, he'll frame a doorway and you know that he's there and it's really, really scary. Um, so yeah, I think it's pretty dope. I'm trying to think of a movie 
that had as big of a difference between like when the trailer dropped and when people actually went to see it. Cause I think when it first came out, a lot of people were like, this is going to be awful. And then uh, like pretty, I mean, almost unanimously, every person I know went really? to see it was like, actually, actually it's good. Oh, I, yeah. I didn't think there was any like negative build. I think when the trailer came out, people were like, cool. Cause like oh, really? in the trailer, it was clear that it, this is a metaphor for gaslighting and it was coming uh-huh. out, you know, obviously during Me Too and all of that stuff. And people were like, what a cool way to revive this character that was from, like, right. the 50s. I mean, the Invisible Man has always had that undercurrent to him where it's like, right. the moral of the story is if you were invisible, you would become immoral, right? Um, right, right? That you would go mad with power and think you were God and be really creepy <laughs> like that's always that's always been part of like uh the invisible man's shtick um but the way they really put a fine point on it and not just his behavior but also like the men around him who are Mm -hmm. sort of facilitating all of this and and encouraging his shitty behavior and being like you're crazy to a woman like over and over and over again uh you know, has special significance in 2020. So I think it's good. I recommend it. Nice. Um, And then I just had some follow-ups to shows I've been recommending for a while on the show that I felt I needed to follow up on. So (laughs) I had recommended The Stranger a bunch, and I'm still recommending it to people because it's so fucking bizarre. But Uh I just want to say the ending of The Stranger is insane. And again, makes no sense. And if you think about it too deeply, I was just angrily texting a friend of mine being like, so why did this happen? And why didn't they explain <laughs> this? And what the fuck? But I still say it's a fun ride. Just don't expect everything to get wrapped up <laughs> like you want it to. <laughs> oh, my God. Speaking of disappointing finales, The Outsider. Woof. Woof, oh, bad? woof, woof. And I can't emphasize this enough. I'm still recommending it because it starts so strong. Mm-hmm. It is like truly one of the best pilots I've ever seen. Uh, the The arc of the show is mostly strong. Oof, the ending. Oh, boy, it felt <laughs> like a different show. I was just like, what is this? Um, yeah, and I don't know. I might be in the minority on that, but I did not like... I have a question for you. Yes. Why do you, why do you, since you, I mean, you're, you're somebody who is a writer, you work in in entertainment and and stuff. Why do you, why do you think, I feel like the majority of finales are pretty bad. Why do you think it is so hard to like stick the landing on a TV show? So that's a really good question. And I, I oftentimes try to be very fair about this because it's like uh, a magic trick, right? When yeah. there's the buildup, there's the sense of not knowing stuff, which is very exciting to people. And then right. when you show them how you do the magic trick, basically at the end, it's always a little bit of like, oh, especially right. when you're dealing with a supernatural element mm-hmm. like the outsider is. It's like so the, the buildup is we don't know what's happening. And that's a very exciting time where it's like, how is Terry in two places at once? That's impossible. Blah, 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 blah. Then you find right. out what the monster is. And it's like, oh, my God, it's El Cuco. It's this, like, mystical creature that can be your doppelganger and transform into you. How cool. It's still cool. I'm still with you. Then they have the plan of how they're going to kill the monster. And it's like, okay. And then they actually have the confrontation. And that is almost always a letdown. Because right. what's scary about a monster 
is you don't know what they are. You don't know what they're capable of. And then when you know the rules or worst case scenario, like in The Outsider, the rules make no sense at the end. It's right. a little bit like, well, what the fuck? And it, it is really hard <laughs> to wrap it up in a satisfying way in general. So I don't envy any show or, or writing staff that tries to do that. Right. But I think there are ways to do it better than this was done. And I, I think like part of the reason maybe they did that is there's going to be a, a season two. So they were trying to plant some seeds for that. So that also doesn't allow them to fully wrap things up in a satisfying way. Right. But, oh, my God. Oh, my God. It, it's always really tough to do anything that re- relies on, like, a twist or, like, a spoiling or anything like that. Because it is sort of like the whole fun is not knowing. And then when you know, it's kind of like, oh, okay. And it's scary. You know? Like, the beginning of The Outsider is so scary because it's like... Right. It, this terrible thing is happening to this man that no one can explain and you know that he's innocent but no one believes him <laughs> going back to the invisible man you know like right. gaslighting the shit out of this guy when he's like I was not there and everyone's like you were there um, yeah. and then finding out there's this horrible monster who is hunting children and like killing them in the worst way imaginable um, right. that's very scary and like hearing children talk about him like he came into mm-hmm. my room last night and we like he was talking and it's like oh my god he's in their rooms like it's all so so scary uh right. and then you see the monster and you're a little bit like mm. it's it's like inherently <laughs> anticlimactic and it, that's not necessarily yeah. anybody's fault but i would say the outsider finale had like huge structural problems like right it felt right. like a different show and it was like where was this where was the masterpiece that led up to this moment, you know? Mm-hmm, right. But anyway, so, uh, and then also, McMillions, you know what? It's uneven, but I enjoyed the story. It's a little weird to be asked to root for the uh, the FBI and a major corporation like McDonald's. <laughs> but right. I, I don't think that's what they're asking us to do. I don't think they're sort of like here are the bad guys, here are the good guys. It's sort of like, look at these interesting characters, you know? Right, right. And then at the end, I I, I feel like they sort of give the quote-unquote bad guys, the guys who were scamming McDonald's, this, like, moment of redemption where, weirdly, a lot of them went on to be friends with the FBI agents who were investigating them because, <laughs> it, like, it turned out that they were just, like, people, you know? Like, right, right. there's nothing, like, necessarily anything evil about them. They just, like... Somebody came to them and said, here's a little piece of paper that's worth $100,000. All you have to do is walk into McDonald's and cash it. Right. And it's like, who wouldn't do that? <laughs> you know, like, yeah. it's a really understandable predicament. And a lot of people, like, there's this one woman who's just like, you know, she had a lien on her house and she was trying to support her son. And it's like, yeah, go get that fucking money, you know? Right, right. But anyway, I thought... There were some complaints that the pacing of it was weird and that they really were dragging stuff out. I don't know. I enjoyed it. I'm recommending it. I liked that. I've seen that story in a couple different like shorter form versions. And yeah. I think in a like a like a 30 minute, you know, like docuseries type way, it's very interesting. Mm-hmm. But it, I didn't get to see McMillions yet. But like the idea of like multiple episodes over several hours it's like i mean i think the story is fun for 30 minutes and i think the reason that it's fun is not because you think that you think that but i i only remember the original story i didn't remember the fucking 
web of like it gets into like mob stuff too oh yeah <laughs> um there's all of these like because the columbos are involved and like yeah right. it, there's like a crime family involved um but <laughs> the whole like family tree of it you know with uncle right. jerry and all that stuff like it does i feel like episodes two and three they're trying to stretch it out a little bit and then it like pops off again i don't know i think right. i do think there's enough material there to warrant it having been a documentary series yeah but to to your point about like not knowing who to root for or whatever mm-hmm. i think one of the biggest reasons that 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 story is so interesting is because it's built around this thing that people have kind of like talked about for decades of like because people have known about the you know the McDonald's monopoly thing it's sort of like a joke it's been a joke for you know decades at this point of like yeah nobody ever wins this you know yeah, and so yeah. like you know so it's sort of like every time it comes around everybody's like oh it's back again and nobody's going to win or whatever and it's sort of like you know it, it, it i think it's very cathartic for a lot of people who grew up like when this game was around and constantly not knowing what the hell was going on. <laughs> yeah. Like, and they, you know, like, the FBI also talks about like that, that where they're like, they were very embarrassed. They didn't realize that a lot of the winners were in the same region of the country. <laughs> and like in hindsight, they were like, fuck, they all knew each other. But it right. was uh, Robin Colombo, Jerry Colombo's wife, who was the first person to be like, we got to recruit more diverse people because like say a black person hasn't won yet so she went to her friend who's a black woman and was like gave her a piece but she was like hey dumbass everybody who's winning is a white italian like of (laughs) course they know (laughs) or or they will know it's like yeah all these 40 year old dudes from (laughs) st petersburg florida keep winning what is going on it was all like florida and georgia yeah yeah uh so do you have any recommendations uh, just one. I, I just uh, I, I recommended this on the show a long time ago. There's this uh, Netflix docu series called uh, Dirty Money, mm-hmm. um, and they just released their second season. And it's these really great. Uh, the, uh, the seasons are six episodes long, and they're like an hour long episodes. And they just go real deep into like different. I don't know if you want to call it like financial crimes or just like in general like the excesses of capitalism in a way, you know, and like fraud, you know, basically like financial fraud, stuff like that. Um, So they're really great. I just, uh, right before we recorded, I just watched, there's a, in the second season, they have an episode all about Jared Kushner and it's like him being a slumlord, you know? And, uh, and and so it's really good. Like they go all through, they, they take you through the whole story of his whole company and document like, all of the like slums in New York that he runs and how he was like, you know, defrauding people and kicking poor people out of their houses and stuff like that. So it's, I mean, it's, it's a very good series and it's takes on really heavy topics, but in a, like a, in a cool way that's, that's uh, easy to understand and like very gripping for the whole time. So I I think it's a very well-made series for people who are interested in in that kind of stuff. Cool. So if you want to hate Jared Kushner more, Oh yeah. Check that out. (laughs) Guys, that's enough of the recommendations. Let's all hold hands and cry. Here is your bad news. Spoiler, we're going to talk a whole lot about Corona. (laughs) Oh, I bet. I don't want to talk about it the entire time but i'm like you have to acknowledge the elephant in the room right the sick sick elephant (laughs) so here in new york across the country um you know 
I think a lot of people, including myself, were trying to be conservative in how we responded to this, where it was sort of like, mm-hmm. everybody stay calm, and obviously everyone should still stay calm, but <laughs> right. let's not call it a pandemic before it's a pandemic, and then it, all of a sudden it was like, boom, NBA canceled, boom, Broadway closing, boom, oh my right. god, Tom Hanks has it. It got Tom Tom. <laughs> it oh, got no. Tom Tom. That's when people were like, okay. You know, thank God he was in Australia where he could actually get a test done when he thought maybe he had it. And Rita Wilson had it, too. Has it. Um, But, yeah, that's when I think people were like, oh, fuck. Uh, And then, obviously, seeing what was happening in Italy, uh, I have some friends who have extended family there. And they were just like, yo, I just got off the phone with them and they're running out of food and people are panicking. And it's, like, really, really bad. Um, Right. But yeah, here in New York City, <laughs> Andrew Cuomo comes out and like nobody can find hand sanitizer or even like Lysol wipes are selling out everywhere now. And Andrew Cuomo comes out and is like, don't worry, we're going to have prison inmates making hand sanitizer. Problem solved. Problem solved. We took the two good things in our country, which is <laughs> lack of health care and and prison labor and we're marrying them to get new yorkers hand sanitizer unbelievable like what is the where is this hand sanitizer going to be so like what is happening are is it going to yeah. be in stores who and the, the really like deeply upset i mean it's all deeply upsetting but like the the the, the ridiculous thing is like they're probably not even going to give that hand sanitizer to the prisoners Oh, no, certainly not. <laughs> They're going to have to make it for no money. And then it's just going to get like sold back to New Yorkers or something. Yeah. So then once it was clear that this is a pandemic, you know, uh, who the World Health Organization came out and called it a pandemic. It forced Trump to address the issue because prior to that, he was saying that it was simultaneously like not real that it mm-hmm. it's a hoax uh created by i guess democrats and the media to bring him down and right. also at the same time saying it is real and it's the fault of like immigrants um and the, <laughs> right. and the democrats who facilitate immigration so it's not real but also if it is real it's the democrats fault so then once it went into pandemic stage He was forced to say something. So he gives this speech in which he says, I don't take responsibility at all. (laughs) (laughs) That's a quote. That's one of the I I hope that gets made into like a plaque. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) if I was the Joe Biden campaign, I would play that on loop where it's like, yeah, here's your president not taking responsibility because he's not presidential. Right. Exactly. I mean, the same way that like the the, the buck stops here or whatever was always like that should just be immortalized in stone everywhere. Yeah, 100 percent. So, yeah, I mean, I guess I just want to say for like all of the coronavirus stuff, um, you know, it's important to keep perspective. Uh, What is it like 80 percent of people who contract it contract a very mild uh, or moderate form of coronavirus it's particularly deadly for people who are 60 and older who have underlying medical conditions like say they're uh in chemo or they have diabetes 
anybody with a lowered immune system, I'm one of those people, you know, I have bad lungs. So like I'm more susceptible to it than say somebody who doesn't have lung stuff. But even so, like I'm not panicking because other than that, I'm healthy. I'm not in the age range that it's, it's killing the most people in. Uh, Right. So, like, stay calm. Just use use common sense. You know, wash your hands a lot. If you have Lysol wipes, wipe down surfaces. Yeah. Um, don't cough directly into each other's mouths. I would discourage <laughs> that. Um, I think that's generally good advice, even outside of the coronavirus. Oh, my God. I tweeted this the other day, but I don't know when this started or who started it. I'm going to blame Chloe. But... What this thing that's been happening lately when we all go out drinking, which is we get a little too drunk and then we touch tongues <laughs> and like it's whoever's there. So it's like Chloe, uh-huh. Rachel, Charles, like truly like whoever happens to be in the vicinity, it just makes us giggle. So <laughs> we do it, but we were doing it like at the beginning of the coronavirus stuff. And I was like, we can't do this anymore. We have <laughs> yeah. to stop. We're going to give each other coronavirus. Like, uh-huh. absolutely, this is going to happen. Probably should stop in general because, like, yep. we now we just do it and we, like, don't care, like, where we are. Listen, if you don't touch tongues with your friends, are you even friends? Right. Are what you? What kind of bond do you have? You don't have a tongue-touching vibe. Not very strong. Not, not a very strong, strong bond at all. Not a strong vibe. Uh, not a strong bond. I think, you know, one of the interesting things to me is that, like, it's it's so weird because it, it you know I I think people are are simultaneously acting correctly but also overreacting mm. in a way where it's like I think people's perception of a pandemic is that if you go outside you will get sick and you will die yeah and the the I don't think people maybe don't understand or just hasn't been explained enough like the point of these drastic measures is not because you will get sick and die it's to halt the spread of the virus so, so that old people don't get sick. Yes, and that's been incredibly frustrating to have to explain to people over and over again because right. I'm I'm from a community where we have, like, a lot of, uh, of people who perform together, a lot mm-hmm. of, like, younger people. And I've had to have this conversation multiple times with men who right. they're like, but I'm not in the age range and I feel fine, so I'm going to go out. And it's like, dummy, it's not about you dying. It's about you having it, not realizing you you have no symptoms, you're asymptomatic, and you give it to someone and you could kill them. Right. Or they, you know, you give it to somebody, they go to see their grandparents right. and then it gets to their grandparents. Like the whole point is like you have to take these drastic measures because especially with coronavirus, I mean, I don't know of any other viruses that spread before s- symptoms are showing. It's very rare that, mm. you know, this you can just spread a virus before you even know you're sick. Um, so it's like, yeah, you might be fine. Everyone, you know, might be fine. Everyone you see on the street might be fine, but you have no idea what's being passed to who, and then who, yeah, who, that, and, ends up, who, that, who that gets to later. And also Corona is, they, they are finding, at least right now, scientists have said that you can get it, go through all the symptoms, get better and still be carrying it. Right. Yeah. So that that's another dangerous territory where it's like, you know, once people get released and if they go right back into like a crowded area, they could give it to somebody again. Right. Um, so, yeah, I feel like I've heard, you know, these rumblings about maybe we're going to be put in quarantine for a month. I feel like that's conservative. 
Yeah, I think, you know, this whole, like, work from home, social distancing thing, I think this will be going on for a while. A while, yeah. It's going to have to, at least until, I mean, the thing is, you know, one of the big things now is that this thing spreads so fast because of what we were saying, like, you're you're spreading it to people without even realizing it. Right. And so it just overwhelms the medical system, you know, if you, if you catch, like, a, a critical mass of cases. So right. these drastic measures are going to have to take in a while for a while in order to sort of like level out the field of people that are getting it. Cause every, uh, lots of tons of people are going to get it regardless. I mean, that's just how these viruses work. For sure. And so you've got to just make sure that the people that do get it can get access to healthcare. And so every emergency room in the United States is an overflowing with people, you know, well, you and have to all, do that. You also, we're going to hit a wall. I mean, like, I feel like we're hitting the wall right now in New York city where it's like, they're going to have to freeze rent. Yeah, they're going to have to give everybody unemployment, whether you were a full time employee or not, or no one's going to be able to fucking survive. Yeah, that's I mean, and the businesses, businesses yeah. are going to need uh, help. I mean, I uh, I went to uh, like uh, uh, I went to the store just to get some some stuff for the house. Eric, are you part of the problem? Are you I walking to, around? I, I need stuff for the house. Fucking I can't quarantine without order supplies. online. Not that that's fair to say the Instacart delivery person, but <laughs> listen, if we're talking in terms of exposing the fewest amount of people as possible to your weird germs. Look, my my bodega was only staffed by one person. There was nobody in the store. Uh, there was nobody on the sidewalk. I hope you didn't touch his hand. I did not. Did you touch we tongues stayed... with him? No, we did stayed you? respectful. Okay. We, stayed, we stayed respectful. I threw the money at him. Good. Across the counter. And I, I just hope threw he it was at him just, and I ran. I hope he was covered head to toe in latex, like a mm -hmm. giant yep. latex suit. Yeah, um, we're gonna have to start we're gonna start, we're gonna have to all start reenacting that scene from the naked gun. Oh, the safe sex scene. I remember, <laughs> yeah. I remember. That's how that's that's gonna be our new our new uh, reality. By the way, it is such a fun time to be a person with bad lungs who has an unrelated cough. Uh-huh. Oh, uh -huh. people love me on the subway. I like cough. Oh, yeah. I actually I snapped the other day because I coughed and three people looked at me and I went, Calm <laughs> down, I don't have it. <laughs> they they looked very ashamed, but I was like, it's You never, fucking weirdos. Oh, it's never been easier to get a seat on the subway. <laughs> yeah, a friend of mine wears a mask to the office every day and she doesn't have it. It's just like a preventative thing and she has gotten a seat every morning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's you know, I, I think uh, that I think that's you know what you're seeing with like you know I mean I'm sure, like you've seen the stories like people just like buying pallets of toilet paper and and stuff like that. It's just like I don't know. It's like I said, it's obviously these drastic measures need to be taken, but I think people are just under the like people think we're in the movie outbreak, you know, and they're they're prepared to like go into their bunker and never go outside for six months. Well, I think it's um, revealing, it's revealing how fragile our economy and capitalism <laughs> in general is that yeah. it doesn't need to be a contagion level event for right. it to completely decimate our society. So like <laughs> there's been some estimates that by the end of this, a million people will have died. And that, Sounds like a huge number. It is a huge number. But when you consider that the population of the United States is 300 million people, yeah. it's a fraction of our population. And even so, this is so incredibly disruptive and destructive that 
I don't even know how much money we're going to lose in the economy, how many people have lost their jobs already, how many people are going to be evicted, even though like they're at least in New York, they're claiming right now that they might stop evictions. Um, Mm. But it's going to be huge and it's not even a contagion level event. Like I said, 80 percent of the people who get it have a very mild version of it. 50% of the people who get it severely recover. Like a lot, a lot of people survive it. And even so, it's completely destroying lives. Yeah. And it's got, you know, and it, it has this huge multiplier effect of like, yeah, like all these businesses are probably going to shut down. And then like, yeah, like all these shops, bodegas, coffee shops, restaurants, like all these things are going to end up shutting down because they don't have any traffic. I mean, I was and thinking, so, yeah, I was thinking about like, I don't know if UCB is going to survive it. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, how could you if you're down for more than a month? How many? Know? Yeah. How many businesses could shut their doors for, th- let's say, three months? Right. Right. And recover. Oh, it's I mean, almost none. Almost done. I think a lot of theaters are going to close. I think a lot of bodegas. uh, We're already seeing some businesses closing. Like, it's going to be really, really fucking bad. Yeah, if there's not some sort of, like... Stimulus. Yeah, if there's not something to to help these people or, you know, to put a freeze on any sort of evictions or bills or stuff like that, you know, like, I, 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 I legit, I don't know how anything that's not like a like startup <laughs> you know yeah. that's like totally online like i don't know how any retail any business with a physical location could not make income for a month and survive yeah like, yeah i mean you know you try not to get ahead of it and spiral too much but yeah uh yeah like i don't if i can't but work for a month yeah. like i don't know what i'm gonna do yeah Right. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to like, yeah, I don't want to get like into like, you know, like that nihilistic like spiral. Right. But it is worth like trying to project out and figure out what's going to happen because they are, you know, especially for for like the, the government leaders, they're going to have to figure out what to do about this. Because, yeah. you know, I think if, it, if it, I think it's pretty clear that people are going to need assistance. It's right. just like like if it was me, if it was me, I would halt all evictions. I would freeze the mm-hmm. rent. I would send everybody right now a stimulus check for a thousand dollars. Yeah. Just yeah, to, I mean, that seems and go save you know? these fucking businesses. Like if you can, you know, not that we're supposed to be doing the social distancing stuff, but you know, if you can pull an Eric and get in, get out and not <laughs> interact with anyone and throw your money, um, like support some of these businesses that like go order Chinese food, you know, cause people don't want to eat Chinese food right now. And a lot of right. these restaurants are going to go under like Chinatown is a ghost town right now because people right. are fucking racist and they blame Chinese people for a virus, which is insane. Um, and a lot of those businesses are going to go under too. Totally. Yeah. And, and yeah, you know, it's just, uh, yeah, I don't, you know, I, I hope, I think that's the only way we can get through this. And what's crazy is that I, you know, I, I tweeted the other day, like it's it, maybe we shouldn't have an economy that can be decimated by taking a couple days off work. <laughs> yeah. But, but it's like Italy is completely shut down mm-hmm. and they're fine. <laughs> you know, like, I mean, I'm sure people are hurting, but it's like, you know, there's not talks of their entire economy collapsing, even though they've basically locked everybody in their houses and, and they, they froze everything, right? Like they froze rent and like. Yeah, I'm pretty sure yeah. they're, they're basically like we're just like the country's on halt. Yeah. And everything except for like grocery stores and doctors are, you know, closed. And it's like if 
a country like that can make it, you know, you know, even though it's extreme and, you know, but if they can make it through it, you know, why can't the supposedly richest, most powerful country in the world do it? You know, why do we have this system where people are going to like lose everything? The fact that everything else is halted and I'm still getting bills. I'm like, this is (laughs) bullshit. It's insane. Yeah. 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 Uh, so to get off the Corona stuff for a little bit, uh, I also wanted to talk about Elizabeth Warren dropping out of the race because obviously, you know, we haven't done an episode in a while. So we have various updates. As everyone knows, Elizabeth Warren dropped, um, Bernie lost some pretty big primaries in South Carolina and Michigan. Um, (laughs) and it seems like Joe Biden's gaining a lot of momentum. Uh, he certainly got an endorsement from every single Democrat. <laughs> right, yeah. Uh, you know, including almost everybody who's dropped out of the race at this point. Elizabeth Warren still hasn't endorsed anyone mm-hmm. uh, and might not do so ever. But, you know, I just wanted to talk about the fact that more, what was it, more college-educated white men voted for Elizabeth Warren than blue collar women did. Wow. And that's um I had not seen that analysis. <laughs> that's pretty wild. Yeah, it it's sadly a familiar narrative. Mm-hmm. I am realizing, you know, obviously misogyny in this country is is a huge problem and right. is I think almost always the explanation for why a candidate <laughs> who is overqualified like Elizabeth Warren Sure. Performs so poorly. Um, that's not a judgment on her. It's just like numbers, right? Like she just right. didn't do well. <laughs> um, right. But also, it's so disconcerting to see how many women refuse to vote for another woman. Yeah, that's very interesting. And it is uh, a lot of internalized misogyny. You know, like they've heard their whole sure. life that women are not good enough and they fucking believe it. Um, or she's too this, she's too that, she's too shrill, she's too opinionated, she's a bitch, you know, like, they don't even realize sometimes they're being misogynist, um, but, yeah, seeing the numbers was, oof, bleak. Yeah, it's very, you know, there's still, I I want, do you happen to know, off the top of your head, like, were they mostly voting for Biden? Were they, like... Where were those like blue collar women? Oh, where were they? Yeah, that I don't know. It might have maybe maybe Sanders. I don't know. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, But yeah, I mean, certainly there is a, you know, internalized misogyny because it's just it's not even like a I I think a lot of it is maybe not even maybe cognizant for Mm -hmm. a lot of people. It's just, you know, there's a you know, uh, when you have this sort of like misogynistic culture and then you see a woman on stage you often you know you just have certain feelings about them that come from how like the culture that you're surrounded by obviously and so i think you know that you know people internalize those feelings and 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 that sort of uh you know that way of thinking uh and and it leads to these sort of like you know misogynistic outcomes for sure yeah i i always remember um oh just because i was quoting that uh that is from vox okay yeah elizabeth warren did better with college educated white men than with working class women interesting uh so i always think back to uh trump and hillary when when the pollsters were calling people and they were talking to the woman of the household and they Mm -hmm. would 
well, first they would talk to the man of the household, um, and they would say, who who's everybody voting for? And they would say, Trump. And then they would get on the phone with the, the wife, and she would privately say, Hillary. Right. And a lot of people at the time were laughing about this, like, these dumb husbands don't even know who their wives are actually going to vote for. But then it turned out that the woman was lying <laughs> right. and voted for Trump. And listen, that can be due to a whole host of issues. Like a lot of people who were raised in religiously conservative households came forward and they were like, hey, guys, you don't know that oftentimes the husband could be like terrorizing his wife. Sure. And this is basically right. like abuse, right? It's basically like what I do, you all do. You're all under my dominion. You're all under my control. I am the man of this household. I am ordained by God to lead us, basically. Right, right. So it could be that. It could also be that the woman knows what she's supposed to say, but feels in her heart a different way, which is that Hillary Clinton, she's too shrill. She's a bitch. She's a liar, you know? Yeah. I I do think there is a... I don't know what the... uh, like the number of it would be offhand, but Mm -hmm. I do think there is an effect of for a lot of like um, uh, maybe independent or like centrist voters when they're being interviewed or polled, the the, the sort of outward facing want to appear like on the right side. Right. Even if it's not what they actually believe, or maybe they, you know, make a split time, you know, there's a lot of the uh, research about like, you know, a lot of people make the decision 48 hours before they vote, you know, like, right. uh, you know, a lot of people make. And, very and as we know, uh, Comey dropped that bomb like right before the election where it was like, right. You know, yeah. so that was huge. That was huge. I think a lot of people were like, yeah, but everybody knew who they were going to vote for by then. It was like it, it we're so cleanly divided in this country that it really doesn't take that many independents to go one way or another uh, right. to sway an election. I will say. I always feel like I have to amend my statements when I say shit like that. Obviously, voter disenfranchisement's a huge issue. The Republicans have been very successful in gerrymandering and vote rigging and, like, stealing elections. Um, But I just mean that, you know, more and more when we see polls, like, we're a pretty divided country, and those independents do matter. Yeah. Yeah, there's... um yeah, there's there's so many different vectors that go into these things that it's hard to like pinpoint one, and right. it's just an acu- it's just an accumulation of all of them, and that's why you saw like in the twenty the twenty sixteen election, like it really came down to half a percentage point in three states. Yeah, yeah, you know, and, I mean, it, the, these elections, even though Hillary won three million more votes, right. the 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 winner hinges on you know half percentage points in these these battleground states, and. There's no real clean answers to like why people vote certain ways. And you and we're getting to the point now, to your point, like it's hard to even trust polling because we don't yeah. even know if we're getting the right answers. Yeah, and it's so much of it hinges on are the the people who are being polled being honest. Right. And uh, and I think as this primary has shown too, uh uh we People are not voting in the same uh, numbers that they're getting polled or are, or, or, you know, showing up to rallies and stuff because, you know, Bernie Sanders has a lot of support from the youth and yeah. they just did not show up at all. Like yeah. they, he's he's winning 75, 80 percent of below like 34 voters and they're just not coming out. They're just not showing up. 
Yeah, which I mean is a whole other thing where it's like we need vote by mail. We need maybe voting by cell phones. And I know that's a big like contentious issue because of everything that happened in 2016. Mm-hmm. Um, right. But there's a reason why young people don't vote. And me just thinking back to my college days, it's usually because they're in a a nomadic period of their life and there's Uh a lot of shit going on and they're busy and they're dealing with school and they've got a lot of concerns and maybe they don't have enough time to go register or, or go vote. And if they could do it on their fucking phones, it would probably be a lot easier for people, you know, or if not on your phone, some easier version, like a secured website or something. Right. I, I cannot remember where I saw this statistic, uh, but I do remember the last, not Super Tuesday, but the last, the, 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 the most recent primary day of the like five states. Um, yeah, the number one uh, reason for young people, I think it was like under 45 or something, like the number one reason for not voting was too busy. Like, yeah. you know, I'm busy. I got other stuff going on. I just didn't have time. Yeah. And that's that, you know, and and somebody on Twitter made the point. It's like, yeah, older people got nothing to do. So, like, they'll go stand in line. But not only that, like, if you even look at the people who are doing the quote unquote right thing, which is they go vote. Right. Oftentimes they're in line for fucking eight hours. Yeah. Are you insane. kidding me? Why is anybody standing in line for eight hours to vote? Like, that's crazy. And I think some people, you know, even if those are outliers, if you see that, you'll think, well, I don't have time to do that. Oh, if I showed up to a polling place and the line was longer than like 30 minutes, I would be heavily tempted to just leave. I fully left. Uh, I went to go vote when Obama got his second term Uh and the line was just around the block. And I was like, I live in New York. It's going to go to Obama. I'm leaving. But like, yeah, I'm not going to stand in line for three fucking hours to vote. Are you kidding? It's insane. It's insane that not only that it happens, but that we expect it to happen and we expect people to do it. Yeah, insane. Unbelievable. Guys, that's enough of the bad. Let's end things on a good note. Here's your good news. Very excited to hear this good news. Oh, (laughs) I'm already (laughs) recording. All right, Eric's excited. Uh, I, yeah, I was trying to think. I was trying to like, cause I, you know, you know, I can't see what you're prepping, so I'm like, <laughs> I can't even imagine what the good news is gonna be. Uh, well, I will tell you. Uh, fucking Harvey Weinstein is oh, going yeah, to true. prison oh. for 23 years. Oh, uh, he's gonna die in jail. He's that's, gonna die in jail. And listen, yeah. are we against the carceral state on this show? Yes. Do we think that prison magically creates solutions for our broken society? No. No. But having said that, it is so fucking cathartic to see that fucking piece of shit have to suddenly not need his walker anymore when he was (laughs) walking out of the jail or walking out of the courthouse um and yeah 23 years in prison there's an interview with uh over at cnn with the foreman of the jury that convicted weinstein uh bernard cody and the quote is just (laughs) foreman for harvey weinstein jury says he's quote-unquote fine with the 23 year (laughs) prison (laughs) sentence 
<laughs> which I think is so funny. Um, when when Weinstein showed up at the walker, it reminded me of when Cosby showed up to his trial and was like, I'm blind now. Guys, I was like, what? Guys, huge life update. I am now blind. <laughs> and like, I know wait, I wasn't what? literally moments ago, but now huge life update. I am blind. And you all feel badly for me now, uh-huh. so it doesn't matter that I'm a serial yes. rapist. Isn't that crazy that I'm blind? Insane. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I will say to your point about, like, not supporting the Carlson st- carceral state, I think you can, like, be like, yeah, I think carceral state's bad. I think jail's bad. I think, you know, you can support prison ab- ab- abolition and also be like, I'm glad that Harvey Weinstein is serving, is being brought to justice in the most you know, in the most, not the most extreme terms, but like in harsh terms. Yes. Like, and if we didn't have jail, it would be something else and he should get that, you know? Um, I, I think you can have, I think you'd have both opinions. I think you because, can also celebrate this moment as like a changing of the tide yeah. moment for the Me Too movement. Yeah. Because yeah. truly, I think if this had happened maybe five or 10 years ago, this would not have been the outcome. Because a, oh, yeah. this entire case rested on, do you believe these women or not? And right. I think that our culture has changed enough where there were enough jurors um, who who believed, yeah, we we at least believe them enough. They obviously didn't charge him with the most serious count, right. but they believed them enough to be like, you are a danger to society and should be in jail. And I right. think that feels new. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, we have, I mean, we still have real time examples like there, there was the actress and I can't, I can't remember her name for the life of me. Um, but there was the actress that just walked out of the award show and they gave Roman Polanski an award. Oh yeah. 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 And, and now she's like losing work yeah. because she walked out of this, you know, where they were like giving Roman Polanski a lifetime achievement award or whatever. And it's like, you know, we still, like, it's still very much present. So it's nice to see this happening. And it does sort of feel like maybe there's coming a change where, these types of things will happen more often. Yeah, like, don't get me wrong. The people who still suffer the most in this situation are the women <laughs> who are the of victims course, of, of these yeah. predators. But, and and as you said, like, whether that looks like in, in terms of the actual physical and emotional violence they went through or losing work or their names being dragged through the mud and people, be, like, harassing them, like, all of those things. Um, right. But the other side of that is I think... A man like Harvey Weinstein would have walked any other oh, sure. any other year, I feel like. Um, but now yeah, it, it, it feels like enough people are like, I am familiar with this pattern. I know people like this who are in power oftentimes take advantage. So I'm more inclined to believe the victims, um, which yeah, had to and, be and like a huge moment for for the women, you know, like for sure. who were so brave to testify at all, but to to feel like heard and seen and validated in that way must have been huge. Well, and I think that's another huge benefit of this, which is that seeing an actual like result, seeing somebody going to jail, mm-hmm. you know, first with Cosby and now with Weinstein, it's like seeing someone be brought to justice, be found guilty, I think will empower more people to speak up and to come out with their stories. Because for so long, people just never, like women would just never come forward because it's like, what's the point? Nothing's going to happen. And and that was like the rational calculation to make because it was like, yeah, are you either going to uproot your whole life, get your name dragged through the mud and nothing will happen 
or you stay quiet or maybe even take money, you know, like from from the perpetrator. Like a lot of the times they were paid in hush money. And and that was like used in court against them as well, where it was like, well, why did you take the money? And it's like, motherfucker, that's like literally the one perk you can get out of this whole terrible situation. Maybe you get some compensation and like you get to move on with your life. Like I totally get why people take the money, you know, Um, of course. But yeah, like obviously not enough can be said about like all of the brave victims who came forward um people like ronan farrow who have just been like on this like a like a dog on a bone you know like just every single chance they get has stood up for victims and really aggressively gone after incredibly powerful people who not only bullied and intimidated and threatened him but maybe tried to have him killed (laughs) Like, or at least, or at least implied that they could have him killed, you know, at any time. Right. Um, so yeah, just a, just a bunch of badasses brought Harvey Weinstein down. So yeah, it's really incredible. Also, maybe some of the listeners are too young to know this. Harvey Weinstein ran Hollywood for a long time. So the magnitude of this happening cannot be overstated. Oh, an article I, I frequently recommend. There's a great article, and I forget what website it's on. I'm a disaster of the show, uh, but <laughs> I forget. But uh, but there's a great article about basically the way Harvey Weinstein just schmoozed his way into getting Shakespeare in Love, uh, the best Oscar, best picture Oscar. Um, How that didn't he- strike more people at the time as being so fucking weird? Because like, don't get me wrong, it's a fine movie. It should not have won any Oscars. <laughs> I think that was the same year as Saving Private Ryan. Oh, my God. Like, yeah. You know, and it's like you, when you go back and look at all the other nominees that year, you're like, it is insanely strange. And there was a great article that somebody kind of did, like, the oral history of, like, the way, like, Harvey just launched this campaign in Hollywood of schmoozing and, and, and you know, basically advertising to get it to win the best. I mean, that's how powerful of a person he is. He got, yeah. he, like I said. Like you said, it's a fine. It's an okay movie. It's a fine movie, but it's a it's not a best picture of the year movie. And he was able to just like through sheer will and power, just get it to win the best picture. Yeah, and I mean not just Shakespeare in Love, but chances are if there is a movie that was made in the nineties, early two thousands that you loved, he produced it. Oh yeah, like they were the Weinstein's were just omnipresent. They were everywhere in hollywood if you wanted anything to get made or have a chance at the oscars you had to schmooze with the weinsteins yep for sure and they took him down it like it can't be overstated they took down the king of hollywood yeah it is a it's a huge deal like like you know it's it's not just not just the the sentence and not just that like you know it it really there's it's a huge watershed moment for how powerful people can be held to account yeah, and I hope I hope you're right. I hope, you know, other victims are encouraged by this and they feel like they can now say something. That's not to say that, you know, unfortunately, as I said, we live in a misogynist society uh, and we also live in a society in general that doesn't believe victims regardless of their gender. Um, right. So it's not to say, like, we're, it's smooth sailing from now on. <laughs> no, uh, no. You know, but it definitely does feel like a huge moment. So I put it in the good news section. Also in the good news section, 
Again, this might seem like an insignificant moment, but I think it is another watershed moment. Uh, The State Department wants to list a white supremacist group as a foreign terrorist organization for the first time ever in U.S. history. Wow. Uh, Feels like a big moment. So... uh, Is this Adam Waffen? This is... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Uh, It comes at a time... The FBI just arrested five alleged members of Adam Waffen in February and eight members of The Base, mm-hmm. um, another known neo-Nazi group with foreign ties. According to NPR, in February, FBI Director Christopher Ray told lawmakers that his agency has elevated to the top-level priority racially motivated violent extremism, so it's on the same footing in terms of our national threat banding as the Islamic State terrorist group and homegrown violent extremism. That's fucking great. I, I think that's good, important, and so necessary and so late, <laughs> but yeah. at least it's it's being treated seriously. Now. I, you know, I gotta say... It, Oh, I was just going to say it was very weird to me. Not Like it was uh, like personally, it was very uh, striking to me when they arrested those members of the base uh, because there is a uh, there's a, like an anarchist uh, like space in Brooklyn called the base. Oh, my God. And when I just saw a story that was like uh, five members of the base arrested for, like, <laughs> no. for white for white nationals. No. I was like, Wait, what the, fuck? Like, what the <laughs> fuck is happening? Like I was so confused for so long until yeah. I could figure out what the hell was going on. Oh, my God. Uh, but yeah, Nazis are terrorists, and it's good to see the highest levels of government acknowledge that, um, because right. they didn't for many, many years, even when, you know, uh, groups like the Southern Poverty Law Center were asking them to. Right. Yeah, yeah. This is very, I, I think it is a big deal to, to see them treating it with some amount of, like, gravitas and and seriousness. Yeah, I don't know how many um, more lone white male shooters we needed before they <laughs> would do that, but here we are. It's weird. It's weird how all these lone uh, <laughs> lone shooters are like hanging out together. Yeah, because we call them lone, so you think they'd be alone, but they're from like a community and they all agree on stuff. <laughs> Maybe we should be like Very watching funny. that. I don't know. This is how all FBI agents talk. Yeah, it's yeah, weird, exactly. you guys. Um yeah, so Eric, let's end things on this note. What is one thing you've done in quarantine that you've enjoyed? Oh, uh, I wear sweatpants to work now, so that's nice. Oh, nice. <laughs> I'm amazed that you weren't already doing that. No, well, so, no. Well, I joined the company in, like, September, so it's like it's been mostly cold. Oh, sure. So I've just been but, – but even then, I – so – I have worked from home like a, a few individual days since then. Uh, but I have this weird thing where like I was very scared that I'm very scared that if I sit like on a couch in sweatpants and I try to work, I just won't get anything done. Oh, sure. Um, so like the first couple times I work from home, I'm one of those like complete psychos that like put on jeans mm-hmm. and like like uh, like actual work attire. Mm-hmm. Um, but but I last like since we started working from home for this, I was just like, fuck it. I'm just going to go with it. And, uh, it's, it's been fine. So now I'm, I'm much more casual, much more relaxed. Um, this is nice. clean. Yeah. Uh, my cats think it's fucking Christmas. 
And oh, I bet. I, they just want to cuddle all the damn time. And I'm like, let's uh-huh. do it. Uh, I've also been reading a lot, which was a goal of mine because I just fully stopped reading. Um, yeah. So that's been nice. It's also just been nice, nice to like, I was joking about all the group texts I'm on, but there was this immediate rush, uh, you know, in, in different comedy circles, UCB and, and non-UCB, to immediately like have a hub where we could still keep communicating with each other. And I was like, Oh, right. I love you little nerds. <laughs> I also do think it's nice, you know, basically everyone I know that's like under 40 years old is basically always talking about how tired and busy they are. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, mostly just because everybody's like, doesn't make any money and is constantly stressed out mm-hmm. but and this is not helping because people are losing money but it is also nice for i think like you know to kind of like slow down for a minute and be like oh okay like i'm gonna sit at home for a little bit and like you know like i said i'm very lucky because i can work from home and it, literally there's no changes i can do my entire job from home so i'm in a, a, an incredibly like privileged position in that regard but like you know there like when like my a couple i i had three shows canceled this week and it's sort of like yep okay that sucks but also like i'm a little less stressed now i wrote one of the shows that you got canceled <laughs> yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. uh one yeah, of the writers so like, one of the writers uh so yeah now it's, now it's sort of like okay this sucks but also i'm going to take this moment to enjoy that all this stuff was removed from my plate and i can kind of breathe for a second and hopefully not lose my my living it is uh, a good know. reminder that like none of the shit that we do actually matters <laughs> yeah. like if the planet yeah. or if like a virus turns against us you're suddenly like oh fuck me and my little plans you know <laughs> you're right. like, yeah, it yeah, yeah, truly yeah. doesn't matter any of it um like oh no i can't go to the coffee shop and do like a free comedy show it's like oh and right. that's in the grand scheme of things it's not super important right uh, so guys, how are you doing? Whether you're self-isolating or you're in quarantine, hashtag light trees and pod. Uh, I hope you enjoyed this special apocalypse episode. Eric, thank you for being, uh, willing to do this via Skype. Of course. And, uh, yeah, we might be doing Skype episodes for a while, guys, <laughs> depending <laughs> on how this goes. But, uh, thank you so much for listening. Go to lighttreason.news and smash that donate button. If you enjoyed the show, if you value what we do, you can also go to patreon.com slash Allison Kilkenny, sign up at the $5 a month level or higher, send us questions to keep us going over there. And yeah, follow Eric on Twitter at E-R-E-K underscore Smith. And yeah, guys, have a wonderful rest of your day. And while you're at it, get out there and cause a little trouble. 